Welcome, welcome, folks. It is December, I believe, the 10th of 2021 as we wrap up this year with another episode of Serpent Sales Podcast with myself, Richard Harris, and my good friend, Scott Lease. Um, want to let everybody know we had an amazing event in November. We've actually sold out the Serpent Sales for May, and we've already started taking deposits for November. In fact, we just got one today. So Serpent Sales November 2022 is happening back in Costa Rica. If you haven't checked it out, please do so at surfandsales.com. Also need to give a quick shout out to our sponsors who help us put on this podcast as well as the events, even our live bonfire sessions. Um, we want to thank Vidyard for being a part of us. Uh, reprise, reprise, Scott, correct me. on Reprise, reprise. reprise. Scott is my official Grammarly, by the way, whenever I send emails, he constantly corrects me. Uh, we want to thank them and all their support. They got some amazing funding. I also want to thank Reggie.ai up in Seattle and our good friend, Matt Millen, who actually attended Surf and Sales. Um, please give those folks a shout out. We are going to be doing a live session with them next week on um, AI and sales. And yeah, AI actually works contrary to popular belief that it can be done in prospecting emails. And then we also have our fourth, who's our fourth one, Scott? I'm forgetting. Outreach. Outreach, our good friends, my buddy. Little Max, company Max, called Max. Outreach. Yeah, little company. You know, maybe you've heard of them. Maybe you've uh, taken a look at them. Uh, we really appreciate all they're doing and what they're doing. So as you're looking at your budgets for 2022, by all means, take a look at these folks. They all help you drive your own revenue and we appreciate their support. Now, after the very long windup, I feel like Rachel Maddow with my super long windup today. Um, please welcome to the show, Thomas Bacard. And I hope I said that right. Bacard as in Picard or Bocard. How is it, Thomas? Uh, the latter, Bocard, but Bocard. I've, I've been all called right. worse. So that's that's close enough for me, Richard. So he's the, he's the SVP of sales healthcare at Global Data. And I think my first question is, what does an SVP of sales in healthcare do? Like, it's, uh, so how does I, that work? I look at a lot of spreadsheets and uh, no, I, uh, we, uh, so global data is a BI firm. Um, so we sell into, when we say healthcare for us, it particularly means pharma is like the primary focus for us. So we're selling into generally the drug developers. Uh, so early stage biotechs mm -hmm. through the, you know, Moderna's Pfizer's to the majors that are out there um, as well as the companies are selling to them. So we help them, you know, competitive intelligence tr track, you know, pipeline landscapes, opportunities, investors, or sell into, you know, potential customers. So uh, what I do is I, I run our purely our new logo sales team. So we're out there. It's a full cycle outbound sales machine, um, you know, generating new business for the company. And then we pass them off to our account management group and we. Yeah. we so I want to start there. Let's talk about full cycle because we talk about this all the time. Um, and, it, and some of it is deal size. Do you like full cycle? Do you wish you could bring in the, the SDR, BDR format? Um, what's your belief on full cycle? Um, well, I love it. And I think everyone should be full cycle no matter what. Um, if you have an SDR, you have five SDRs, you have outreach, you have a thousand marketers, you should still be doing full cycle. And that's what the people at the top of the leaderboards, that's what is the difference. You know, they're not luckier. They didn't get better leads. They're out there building pipeline. And they, how do they, because I, I know a lot of people, this is, this is, you know, against the norm, at least in this, a lot of the ponds we swim in. How do you coach or how do you see those top performers dedicating their time management to doing prospecting? Because they often hate it or don't like it. Uh, and I agree with you. They are often the best at the top of the leaderboard because they've sourced their own deals. 
Yeah. So I will say full disclosure, I have introduced the SDR model at, at Global Data um, a few years back, and then we, we kind of went away from it and we're bringing it back now. Um, but what we do is it, they, we focus their time you know, they, they're smart. They follow the money. They follow, they built their networks. And even if they don't have a network per se, they're tracking their, their buyers. So someone they sold to two months ago, three months ago, three years ago, they're following them. The second they move somewhere, they're, they're reaching out to them. So they're, they're cold calls. They've gotten to the point in their career where it's more of a, a warm call, you know, mm-hmm. for lack of a better analogy, but they, they, they prospect smarter. You know, they're not out there. They're not just trying to call everything fresh. Or they're, they're, so they know the types of companies. They know the, the catalyst events, the triggers that, you know, create the compelling events, right, that make people buy from us so they can track those. And when they see something happen, they call them. They reach out. And it's not, you know, we're not spraying, praying. It's very, it's much more of a sniper mentality from their standpoint. Does that mean, so for your team, how big is your team? Uh, so right now we're about 14, 15. Okay. And point. what percentage of them are, you know, tenured reps, right? They're, they do have that, you know, this is what I'm hearing you say is they've got a book of business, so to speak. Right. Um, what yeah. Per- um, the small percentage of it okay. that have a, a true thing. So I think my team, um, so I, it's really like complete opposite ends of the spectrum. We've got a few people that have been with me, with me, you know, three, four years now, probably, and, and have been with the company for eight or nine. Um, and then I have people that just started in August. Um, so, that, so that, and that's why I'm going, then I'll shut up and let Scott ask you some fun questions, because I know I'm probably boring you. But so you you have this team of earlier folks, they're August in, right? Mm-hmm. How do you teach them? Because they don't have that book to follow people, per se. What are you yeah. coaching them to do? Or maybe even better in the interview process, what habits are you looking for from them as you hire the full cycle rep? Yeah. So I think for me, you know, it's, it's trying to search for that natural inquisitiveness that you have from people. It's looking for the work, work ethic, um, you know, but it's just also the desire to, to grow from a lot of people. Cause it, so I try to test some of those things. I look more at traits than at, at history during the interview process. I mean, cause I think, you know, resumes, well, resumes are dead, but who cares what's on them? I mean, anyone can put anything on it from that standpoint. Um, sure, it, it gets, it kind of could be some initial qualifications, but it's more of just like, I want to know from them, but I'm going to give you a territory. And we do account-based sales, right? So I give everyone, they have probably like 250 to 500 accounts, depending on the, the makeup of it. It's like, so what are you going to do with your territory? I want to know how they're going to attack it, what their plans are, how they're going to organize it, their thought process um is more important to me than the actual answer that they're going with um so so that's what i look for from the interview to answer your first question of how do i kind of coach them or guide them through it's a lot on the organization of that territory so i help them understand you know look these are the campaigns we've run through the year here are the results we've had for those people you know so and this is why they've bought right this is why this campaign is working better than this campaign um, and this is how you should approach it. So that they'll then start organizing their territories by that. Um, so it's not just persona based or, you know, focus. So in pharma there, you know, they could be focused on oncology or, you know, it depends on what therapy area they're in. Um, it's deeper than that. It's, you know, have they received funding, um, you know, within the last 
six to 12 months? Have they received, you know, certain levels of funding over the last three years? Uh, do they have uh, what's coming down the pipe? So that's, that's what's happened in the past. Now what, what's happening in the future? You know, what are the reasons you're going to reach out to these people um, and, and aligning that with what we, we thought, but it's, it's, so a lot of it is it's, it's kind of helping set them up for success by doing some, a lot of this organization in the backside, but it's also teach them how to, how to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. How to identify these things quicker than I can get to, you know, manicuring Salesforce um, and how they can also identify ones that we haven't even, you know, put into Salesforce yet. So like my top reps, the new ones and the old ones are the ones that are bugging me every day for new accounts, new territory accounts they've identified or accounts they know we should be pitching, but no one has reached out to them in the last two, three, six months. Great. Cool. All right, Scott, your turn. I was just thinking about... Okay, that's enough from Scott. Back to Rick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. I was just thinking about how you said there's some people who've been with you, you know, for years. And one of the things that I always found a little bit challenging was, you know, Richard's been on my team for three years now. Like, what the hell is left for me to coach Richard on? How do I coach him? So how, how do you coach, train, develop somebody who's been with you for years already? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I mean, it's, it's for me, there's not like a set system or routine or or areas that works. It's, it's up to the individual themselves. Um, But I think where I find the biggest success within that is it's, it's really, it's, it's diving deals specifically with them. So there'll be elements of deals where maybe it's, it's things. Actually, I think Scott, I, um, it was your LinkedIn post yesterday where it was like, it's the fundamentals sometimes that it's coming yeah. back. Like yeah. I wrote something like fundamentals, they, they're the most important, but the first to get shortcut. Right. Like, yeah. and, and first, like most important and first to get cut. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> like, so it's, you know, uh, some of it sometimes is just that it's like, you know, Hey Scott, like, how come you're not locking in the next meeting with this person? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, you're not tying, you're not multi-threading this. You're not bringing in the economic buyer. You're, you're leaving it up to your champion. And like, are they actually a champion? Are they an influencer? Like what, let's, let's stop, you know, don't assume here. Like we got to, let's back up and to move forward. Um, so it's, there is like that deal coaching, deal support, deal help. Um, but a lot of things that I also like try to do for those people that have been with me for a while that are at the top of the board, it's clear the path. It's keep all the bullshit off their plate. I don't know if you guys curse on here. Sorry. But, um, you know, I'm assuming with Scott that you do. So, yeah. Have anyway. you met me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but it's like, you know, you know how these, some of them are like, they're, they're not necessarily lone wolves, but they just, they don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be bothered with any like the internal politics of that. They just want to get off on the job. They want to close deals and enjoy life. Right. So it's kind of clearing those paths. Um, so I try to make their life you know, as, as easy as possible in that regards. Um, but when it's the actual like coaching development, it's, you know, it's, it's, I look for opportunities that I can, I can create more coaching chances with them. So it's, whether it's the pipeline is kind of dipped, it's, you know, I have a couple like flags and reports that will show me like, Hey, like they've had deals sitting at certain stages for, for much longer than average for them. So let's, let's dig in there and we'll pick that. And it's, it's just adding value from that. Because I think with some of them, it's and it's introducing new tactics sometimes. But you know, for some of them, they've been successful. They don't. They're not as open to adding the new tactics, and yeah, yeah. That's part of what I was trying to get at, and and I think you answered it 
correctly when you you're, you're basically just like my job is to remove blockers and obstacles out of these people's way and let them do their job and then every now and then remind them hey you've deviated from what works here let's go back to what works you got a little distracted you got a little lazy whatever so is was there was there a particular light bulb moment where you're like i want to lead and manage sales reps where that like inspiration hit and you're like that's going to be more fun and more my style than just closing deals and doing my own thing you know i at first it was just like it was just drive i was like well i want to get promoted so like you know just for the sake of like being driven yeah i was young i mean it was was younger i was in my probably late 20s and i was like well you know okay i'm top rep next thing to do is become a top manager yeah Yeah. um so it was really you know well thought out as you can tell here it was just more like well clearly i'll make more money in management and leadership and then that was a rude awakening <laughs> realizing that the top yeah. reps typically do that but uh it um i quickly it just it, it hit a lot of chords for me where i realized that you know someone that was always you know extrovert out there want the recognition want to ring the bell want to be at the top of the board want to be pat on the back that i could you know, really then uh, multiply that feeling of success by helping more people do it. So I, instead of me closing yeah, you know, five deals a quarter, I could help 10 reps close five deals a quarter. So I could then, you know, get that there. And, and then seeing the difference that it made in their like lives and that, you know, it was just, yeah. it, it got addictive quickly. Whereas like this has a much bigger impact. What did you get wrong about the job? What was an uh, assumption you had about the job? of an SVP that you totally got wrong? <laughs> um, I think initially I thought it would be less in the trenches, um, which may be just a, a, something from a personal standpoint where I just, I can't completely remove myself from being, um, wanting to be, get involved in deals as, as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think I thought maybe initially I was like, uh, okay so now i'm taking a step back like back back so it's not like it's not like a quarterback on the field it's like you know you're like the offensive coordinator up in the suite up yeah, the field, yeah. On the field. yeah i thought maybe i'd be the gm that's sitting back eating you know drinking a beer watching the game not actually you know running down to the field at halftime putting my pads on and getting back out there yeah and i think i think it was uh i thought it would be purely strategic less ex- execution mm. um and and honestly i'm kind of i'm pleasantly surprised that it's it's probably more execution um and the, the strategy is what's done in the background you know for me a lot more of my day-to-day is okay helping ensure that i'm progressing pipeline building pipeline across the board that I, i'm constantly looking for coaching moments where i can leave do you them think better that's, but do you also think that that's because um you're you're a believer in the full cycle rep so you're there to help them Right. Do you believe, do you not have a middle manager who should and could be doing some of this for you? Well, uh, I, I should, and uh, I'm currently hiring for that. So that's a good, uh, good plug. Good plug. Good segue there. Take that Richard. I didn't even say you up there. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I, I look for, I, I want to have middle managers, not really to remove that from me, but just so that I can, I can continue to scale the team. Yeah. My team size is where it is right now because it's, they're all direct reports. Well, that's, and that was, that was my next question. Like, talk about that because 
how do you even identify when you need that? And because um, it's going to be hard. Are you, well, let me ask you this question. Assuming you can hire that person, right? Hopefully from this podcast. By the way, if you apply to, to Thomas, please let him know you heard about it on the podcast so we can send him a bill. Um, but um, are you going to be ready to let go of the coaching? Like the, my sense from you is you actually like it, like, which isn't bad. Like there's, you know, if you enjoy getting in there and like helping move these deals. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just, for me, I look at it as an opportunity for more coaching, right? First of all, it's coaching that those, those managers up on how they can be managers, you know, at a, a at a higher level, right. Empowering them to, to coach and, and lead more from that side and, and go. But at the same time, like for me, I will still have a direct, direct reports um, that will continue to grow and, and, you know, take shape. Um, so I think that's, uh, I'm not as concerned about that part of it. Um, but I think to, from the first part that you mentioned, it's like, you know, kind of, I always, I had a great, um, I guess he, he was a coach. He was kind of more of a management coach um, early in my career. I was fortunate enough at my um, previous employer to get this. His name is Doug Spence um, out of the UK. And he would look at uh, direct reports and he, he told me, and I may have like switched, changed it a little bit over the years, but essentially you give everyone that reports into you, you rate them on a scale of one to five, five. I got to hold their hand to dial a phone, right? I got to put commas, cross T's, dot I's and emails, whatever. Right. I got to do everything. Like I got to, I got to walk them to the bathroom almost, but ones are autonomous, right? At no point should I have a, a cumulative score of more than 17. If mm. I have, if that adds up to more than 17, you're in trouble. Team is too big. Uh, yeah. It's going to break and maybe it'll last a little bit, but it's going to, it's going to fall off. And I, I've, I've held that, used that, apply that, not just for myself, but for the people on, the, on my team as well. Uh, when I have had managers in those places um, and VPs and directors, um, it's always held true on that side. Yeah. That's pretty good. I've never heard of that score before. And now I'm starting to, I'm trying to do math in my head and try to figure out what, uh -oh. what I would, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, I got to edit all of Richard's grammar all the time. So he's a five straight away. Oh. Yeah. But that's because you tell me that I don't need to be perfect all the time. True. It's <laughs> a delicate balance. I don't need you to be perfect. No, but you could stand to improve the grammar a little bit, you know? Tom, you're your you're, you're SVP of sales team is growing. You also run top one percenter podcast. You also were a founding uh, member of the team of SDR defenders that got acquired. Why? Why work on these other things? There's got to be some level of pushback in terms of like, hey, you should be pretty focused on this really important job you have. Talk about why. Why did you try to do these other things and you've done them successfully and you're doing all three successfully? Yeah, I mean, they, they all come, I think, back to my kind of, you know, my personal mission statement, which is, you know, I, I'm trying to help as many people as possible. You know, there, there is a old Brian Tracy quote that is stuck with me where it's, you know, achieve your goals by helping others achieve theirs. Yeah. And I find that, you know, there's obviously there's limitations to team size that I, I manage, you know, directly, indirectly within global data from PL perspectives, audience, target audience. Um, there's only there's only so many people there you're going to be able to help. Directly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, I mean, like, you know, in some levels they work for me, so they have to listen to me. 
you know, to, to certain degrees. Um, so, you know, I, I found that, hey, SDR defenders, like, look, I think the SDR role, I view it a lot differently than other people in the industry, I think, because I, I view it, a, I look to when I started in sales and I started as an entry-level sales position, moved up in six months. And that's what I look at SDR, SDRs are as. So it should be an entry-level sales position. It's a great way to get your feet wet, get under you. It should be a six to nine month, maybe 12 month tops position. And then you're selling. Um, it's a great way to cut your teeth. And I, and I felt they needed that voice. So it was, it's a way for me to kind of help that community and get out there. Um, but it just, it allows me to multiply, you know, the, the support and growth. And, and I'm, I am a firm believer and I, I can attest to it from looking at the past year and a half, two years when these other, you know, opportunities came up, it, the more you put out there, the more it comes back to you in the universe. Like that, that comes through, but also I am performing my job now at global data. You know, I would, in my mind, you know, I'm sure my boss would disagree with me, but I, I'm 10, 15, 20 X better than I was um, when I was not doing these other things because I'm, I'm constantly evolving my skill set. I'm coaching at higher levels at, at greater magnitude. It's just like anything else. The more reps you do, right? So yeah, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell, 10,000 hours or whatever, right? Sure. sure. Like, yeah. Well, if I'm just managing 15, 20, at one point at Global Data, I was managing different groups. I had 30 people or so under me. Like, there's only so many hours of coaching you can still do with these people here. But now if you're, you're it's a force multiplier, now I'm, I'm better. I'm thinking clearer. I'm holding them tighter and, and doing that. And, it, you know, so it's it's had a an interesting effect on me that at first I was like, shit like am i spreading myself out here then i realized i actually it's almost like it's not training around with these other people but it's, i'm i'm doing two three days instead of just working out once yeah day. yeah do you feel like it um do you feel like it has altered your perspective as how you identify new opportunities now do you look or would you be looking for different things in wherever it is that you do next because of all of these different experiences or is that stayed the stayed the same or do you is it easier for you to spot and feel like a red flag and be like oh boy okay i maybe cringing over here right is it yeah i mean perspective at all you definitely you get a lot more exposure to to things that are out there the good the bad and the ugly so it definitely kind of will it it's changed my focus for what i want it it, not just necessarily for myself, but what I want to create for the people that are with me. Um, you know, so I want to make sure it's always a, an environment of development and growth. But but yeah, it definitely has, uh, you know, opened my eyes to things that I wasn't aware of previously. What are a few? What are like one or two of those? Um, well, I, I think, well, I mean, first off, it's tech stacks. I think in one aspect, you know, when, um, you know, our, our tech stack is still evolving and growing. And, you know, I think some people have way too much shit and they rely too much on it. So it's kind of shown me like the fundamentals are key to continue to drive in and develop people on and, and teach and coach, because I think there's a lot of that that is not happening anymore um, out there. Um, so, you know, but it's also like, you know, as, as we met, we're full cycle. But we, we don't have, you know, a sales loft or an outreach. So we're, you know, we're full, full cycle. Like we are, you know, doing it by hand in these aspects and still and growing at crazy pace. So it's, I think that that's helped, but it's, it opens eyes to what could be the potential with some of those. Yeah. Um, 
but it's also shown me again, like there is a diluge, I think in, in training and development um, at, you know, some of the various size companies that are out there. So you see some startups that they have nothing right um, for reps to, to work with or even management. What do you think? What do you think about bringing in outside sales training versus doing all of the training in-house? This is a uh, great, great question for you, Richard. I'm, <laughs> I'm eager to hear this one. Yeah. Yeah. What do you uh, think, Tom? I, I think it should be almost like a requirement at companies. I think uh, to bring people externally in as well. Yes. Yeah. Ah. I think it should be a requirement internally. You should always. Yep. Like, I think a KPI for all managers, VPs and that should be, you know, how many trainings are you doing a month? What are you coaching? You know, like, and, and there's the differentiation between training and coaching, right? Like, um, you know, coaching is a lot more stuff that's on the fly. It's it's going through that. It's it's seeking those out in the one-to-ones, creating a coaching environment, right? But I, I think when you bring external voices in inside, it gives different perspective. I don't think... I think you should be doing it so you don't have to fully outsource your training, but I think it should be something that comes in once or twice a year. You have at least, you know, it depends on the company and all so, that. Right. Thomas, I'm going to, how's your calendar look next week, Tuesday at four for us to have a external training conversation. So. Um, well, you know, it's Q4, Richard. So I, I'm a little... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even the know this was the calendar segment begins. Yeah. I, I said, Scott, a text yesterday. I said, is this for real? Is this going on? What... So, I thought this was supposed to happen uh, back in March. Scott, this I want to, I'm going to ask you this question because I actually don't know what Scott thinks. I think I know, but I want to see what do you, you know, and regardless of our friendship, what do you think about, should you bring in external trainers? I, w- I always tried to bring them in, but I always tried to do it for free. <laughs> so, so, you know, there would be a world nowadays where I, if I had a sales team, I'd reach out to Tom and be like, hey, man, uh, you want to do like a hour or two training session with my team on like enterprise account mapping or something like that? Like, I think they're kind of tired of my voice. And, you know, you probably say the same things as me, but they'll listen to you. And hopefully I got a good relationship with Tom and Tom's like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. And then, you know, a month or two later, Tom will be like, hey, remember when I helped you? I need some help. So, you know, a little quid pro quo type uh, type training situation. You know, I never brought in people from the outside because I never could get any budget for it. So I had a super robust training program, like internally. It's not that I didn't want to bring in external people. I just was going to get shut down and slammed all the time working at these early stage startups. So yeah, I, I would try to do it for free because, you know, I'm a weasel. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, which is why Scott's never, although he has tried to get me hired once or twice, but it, Scott's never brought me in for those wondering, you know, no, Scott doesn't throw a lot of money at me behind the scenes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Tom, you're also, you're, you're super, super, um, on brand, right? Like you, of, of the people that I know who are SVPs of sales and VPs of sales, not a lot of them are super social uh, on LinkedIn and you're, you're good at it. How important is that for you as, you know, the, the Tom Bocard, you know, brand and how do you see that for your team and do you encourage it? Um, so I'd say, it's a, uh, well, I, I appreciate the kind words, Richard. I'll say that first off, um, you know, for me personally, it was something that 
I, um, I wanted to build a brand. I wanted to get out there because I, I needed help with recruitment is, is the first thing that, that kind of started that. The second thing that started at the time um, when I first really started doing LinkedIn, it was when I took a step back and looked at my team and realized that I wasn't coaching or training uh, or speaking to everyone on the team on a daily or weekly basis because it had gotten to a point where at, the, at that time it was probably like 32, 34 deep um, with some, you know, four or five managers in there. Um, so I was like, one way for me to start speaking to them is I could just use LinkedIn and, and get that. And then that kind of like expanded. Um, I've since pulled back on LinkedIn as much. Um, you know, I still, I still will post occasionally there, but it, it's, uh, I think it's important because it's, well, it's actually, it's helped tremendously with recruitment first and foremost. How does it help you with recruitment? Explain that to people. Yeah, this is super important because this is the same exact reason that I did it. So let the people know. I mean, like, well, two weeks ago, I posted that I'm hiring for a job. And I think I set up 15 interviews in a day. Um, I don't have any, you know, we've, we have, we wanted two internal recruiters that we really use in the US for the company. And so that's to support me and, you know, six other sales groups. So that, you know, you can imagine how much time and attention you get from there. Uh, outside recruiters that we use, hit or miss volume wise. Um, but one case in particular, I can tell you, there's one person on my team, an external recruiter had put him in front of myself and a different uh, VP at the group, which was ridiculous that he was interviewing on two verticals, but that's, a, that's another story in itself. Um, so that it boiled down to it and they were like, well, let, let him decide where he wants to go. And he was like, oh, I want to work for Tom. I've been following you on LinkedIn for the last six months, 12 months. You know, I've been learning from you when I don't work from you. I, I, I want to see what actually happens when I am working for you. And yeah. he's, he's been one of my fastest start. He closed the fastest deal, um, you know, from day one, closed his first deal in 45 days, which is, uh, was at the time, well, he beat out someone else by 11 days at the time. But prior to that, that was like, that's like two, three months faster than people usually do. Do you, do you encourage your own? And by the way, I hope everybody stopped and rewound that and listened to it again, because it is critical uh, on the recruiting side of things um, and, and beyond that. But particularly, uh, even if you're a candidate, it's critical. Because guess what, Tom, did you go look at these people on LinkedIn to see if they were social at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also, just to see, it's... <laughs> There's just there's so much noise out there. I think people can see what's real and what's not too. So it's like, I look for that too. It's like, well, is this person, are they out there pontificating and they've been in sales for three months, but they're trying to tell people how to close enterprise deals? Yeah. You know, um, you know, or do they actually know what they're talking about. Are they, are they, or are they out there trying to like, you know, create their own brand as this sales guru, or are they actually speaking to the audience that they're trying to sell to, you know, because if there's someone out there that's just trying to create noise to be a sales you know, ambassador, but they're an AE. Well, what's that going to do for me? I, I don't sell to salespeople. Right. I'm not gong. I'm not outreach. You know. Yeah, you're different. It's yeah. different. different yeah. So, and and you know, if they worked at one of those companies, well, that's great. Then they're trying to build an audience and they're building pipeline. Like, but that's what I look for when when it comes to to that. Do you encourage? And, do you encourage your current team to go be social? I do. I do. Do they? It sounds like they not don't so do much it yet. <laughs> it's uh it's one of the things that's, you know, we've touched on it and we, we've started, you know, but it, it's one of those processes that I think, we're, I think it's, it will start, you'll start to see it more from my group because we've started um, 
you know, again, they've, they've had to build their networks on LinkedIn within the, the communities that we sell to. Yeah. Um, you know, so they've, they've started building that up. So I think kind of the next phase will be a lot more of the engagement aspects of uh, posting. I'm going to, so I'm going to run this. I'm going to ask Scott this because I know he's taught his team. It just, it just dawned on me, Scott. Um, and Tom, Thomas, if, if you want to go, oh, maybe, maybe not. Would you start to make people building their LinkedIn presence part of the onboarding process? Did you ever do that formally, Scott? Because I know you taught your team or was it, no, nah, I'm going to wait till a little bit later. I need them to get on the phone and, and be the product person right now. Like, what do you yeah, think? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do it straight away with brand new people. I, I was more for people that had been there a little bit and were already showing some level of mastery of the, of the role and, and stuff like that. Um, what I did do was make it compulsory as far as my leadership team to Tom's point about recruiting, because I don't want to hire all these external recruiters. And, and rely on, you know, an internal recruiter. Like I wanted us to do that. I wanted to bring people in and I wanted my manager to, to bring people in. So I, I was pretty regimented with them. I'd be like, listen, you got 2000 followers. Like that number has to be 10,000 by the end of the year. You know, like that's a KPI. That's a goal. That's a target. Like you have to, to do this and we, and we work on it, you know? And uh, I, I made my first full-time hire as you both probably know in my uh, consulting business and she starts in January and like part of the work that I'm going to do with her is elevate her brand. You know, it's a big, big deal. And, and for Tom's role, like, I don't think you could be an SVP of sales in 2022 and beyond with no brand. I don't think you can do it. Yep. You don't have the, you don't have the reach. You don't have the influence. Recruiting is too hard. Right. You got to have some, some, some kind of secret sauce, some, some kind of network. Right. Um, and that's where everybody is. So you, you go, you think about it from an AE candidate perspective. I got two different people, two different companies to look at. I got Tom over here who's super active. I can learn from him. I've been learning from him. I got Richard over here who I never heard of, but he's the SVP over there. I assume he's smart. Which company looks more interesting? I'm going to Tom every single time, every single time. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's been the, probably the biggest game changer that's come out of LinkedIn. You know, from a, yeah, I agree. Standpoint. I think the, the second aspect is just the it's the networking. I mean, like, I wouldn't know either of you if it wasn't for LinkedIn and, and the connections and, you know, networks that we've had over the last you know two years or so. Yeah. It's like, who do you like better, Scott or me? Um, hmm, that's, a, that's a toss up. I got I to find a coin here. I'll flip a flip something. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say uh, I'd say, though, I got to tell you, though, Rich, I, I think. Scott and I have a little more of a, a, a relationship. We're a little closer. I, we're, on, we're on text terms. So that, you know, that's yeah. okay. That's that's pretty much normal because I'm terrible at staying in touch. <laughs> so Scott's well, we gotta we gotta kind of start to wrap up here a little bit, Tom. So what we always like to end our, our show with, you know, how can we be helpful to you? Do you have any questions for us? Any of that kind of kind of stuff? Anything on your mind? Um yeah, I mean, I guess from your guys' end, for when you look ahead to, to next year, right? Um, looks like we'll probably be closer to hybrid models than pure remotes in some aspects, um, and maintaining remote in others, right? I don't think anyone is going 100% back in office that, I, that I'm aware of for like 
full time anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys see that will be kind of the, I guess the best channels of, um, you know, from a management perspective, like how are, how are people going to maintain the levels of excitement, maintain the levels of coaching when it's not um, back to in office? I think it has to be a lot more kind of planned and scheduled and regimented because all those on the fly moments are gone. Um, so you have to kind of proactively ensure that it's going to happen. Uh, so that's number one. And I think that there'll be continued use and adoption of platforms that help with sales coaching and finding ways to do it at scale and finding ways to do it at speed. Um, so, you know, those, all the gong type tools that are out there and, uh, enablement platforms like outreach and those kind of tools, I think are going to continue to be more and more important. And I think that orgs that are not utilizing tech are going to start having challenges, you know, more and more and more. I don't know how you're going to be able to do it. Um, you might have some old dogs in there who, you know, will do just fine, but how are you going to bring in new people? Think about it from a recruiting standpoint. Oh, yeah. like you're, you're, you know, am I gonna? Do I want to go play at Alabama, which has like world class facilities, or do I want to go to, you know, South Alabama, JUCO State, which has like no facilities, no no support? Like, if I go work at this company, I get all these tools that make my job easier. I go over here and it's 1985, and I got a Rolodex and index cards. Why the fuck do I want to do that? So I, I think people are not going to go there anymore. So I think you're going to have to. You'll see more adoption of these tools that make coaching easier both to give and to uh to receive richard i can't believe you're trashing my index card and rolodex machine over here <laughs> well it worked, um, it worked good in 1985 richard just not in 2022 and beyond i know i know um i actually was still a teenager at that stage just so you know i'm not that old but uh i think <laughs> I agree with Scott. I agree with Scott on the fact that it's going to be uh, much more regimented and structured. I also think, um, and I've, I've started suggesting this to managers, and they actually say it's working, is that they actually put on their calendar um, a couple a couple hours a day, a couple hours a week, where they literally just put their Zoom on, and they say, "Hey, I've, this is my open door policy time, right?" And people can just jump in if they want, um, or they, you know. And they literally leave it on Zoom and give them the link versus, okay, go sign up and register for it. Like it's that kind of trying to create a little bit of that organicness. Almost like office hours at a university. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. But you leave your Zoom on while you just work and wait for people. I literally just wrote office hours with Zoom down on my, my pad. I love that. <laughs> so I, I'm seeing, because I think you still need some of that organicness, but it's hard. You can't, you can't force it. Um, so that's one thing I've been seeing. Um, I also think that, uh, the type of reps are changing in general where you have to be tech savvy in order to be a good sales rep, particularly in the spaces we're in, right? You can't go work in SaaS and, and do that. I think the, the really old school folks are going to have a hard time in the next couple of years. Um, and I think, so I think that's a piece. I also think too, that as leaders, our organizations need to invest in us to learn how to be remote managers, because I don't see it changing. Even if we cured COVID, there'd be a mad rush to the office, but there's enough people out there saying, yeah, I don't want to come in every day. And guess what? With the job, with the shortage of employees, and companies aren't going to have the ability to, to force it so much, you know? And so I think that that's a piece where 
there needs to be more management coaching on teaching managers how to manage because nobody gets it. Nobody gets that. I just had a session yesterday where the biggest problem with management is that managers are never taught how to manage, particularly in the SaaS and startup world. Like it just doesn't exist. You know, you have to go work for a sales force or someone where they're like, oh, we're going to teach you how to be an executive or we're going to teach you how to be PR compliant or we're going to teach you how to be, you know, uh, navigate the human element of a remote person and the isolation they feel. And how do you talk about that as a leader? Nobody ever taught me how to do that. Um, so I think that that's going to be the big piece. And so those companies who adopt that will also make it recruiting. Like I think, Tom, if you were, if you said, look, just so you know, my company invests in me to learn how to be a remote manager to help you. And we're going to invest in you to learn how to be a remote employee. Like that's, a really attractive piece of a job if your company does that stuff. So that's where I see things happening. Yeah. No, that's, I love that. One, one thing you guys made me think of there though, too, I think, cause you know, coaching, teaching, you know, managers do that, but as a SVP, it's working with, with my team, with my reps, helping them be more effective and, and cope with the, you know, the remote environment, especially for the people. Like, I mean, I'm in New York, mm -hmm. people that live by themselves in mm -hmm. you know, shoebox apartments so like, like that's crazy in yeah. some aspects. It's like, you're, you're stuck in your apartment for, you know, three weeks by yourself. Like yeah. No physical interaction with people. Yeah. It's like, it's working. Well, I think, I think even deeper to the point of what I was making is I think the organizations that focus on mental health in general will also help because that's a big part of this game, right? It used to be, you know, when Scott and I first met, it was, and we used to preach it. We would preach, look, Hey, the best thing about coming to work here is as soon as you close that door, the outside world doesn't exist. You can ignore all your problems and just come in here and focus. And this can be your island of joy. And it's kind of like, well, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, there's some, there, there's logic there, but, but it's way more intuitive. It's made counterintuitive, but it's better when you say, look, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. So, you know, I think that's, you know, the mental health piece is going to be the big, the big piece on hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, uh, how do you guys, um, how do you keep zoom calls from going, uh, a two minute conversation becoming 30 minutes every time? That's, I know how Scott does that. You're talking, you're talking about like your coaching calls with your reps and stuff well, like, like that. You know, I like when you're in the office, that's the one thing Like you walk by a desk, you'll hear someone say something. You'll be like, Hey, let's, let's talk about this for two seconds. And you're like, okay, see you later. Keep walking. You go to the, on your way to the bathroom, you stop for two seconds and you keep going. But if you call someone up on a Zoom, that's not, it's never two seconds. It's yeah. never 30 seconds. And so it's like a 30-second call is 10 minutes. Yep. You're dealing with Zoom. I, that's what I find a lot. Yeah. But, that, doesn't ha that doesn't happen to me. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. But hold on, hold on, hold on. You say, you say you're not surprised by it. So why do you say that? What do you think I do to manage and control that? And why can't you implement a similar strategy? Uh, I mean, I think I've, I think I've gotten better. I think those, when I'm saying that a 30 second call takes 10 minutes now, I think that used to be 30 minutes for me. So I think I've, I think I've cut it. So you're learning, you're learning, it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, but it's like that, those quick, cause it's just almost like the, the fact of a zoom, I feel like it just, it takes you longer sometimes to get it set up and get that person coming in. Even if I'm just like doing it through the chat where it's quick yeah. video, it just like, I don't know. I feel like it's more from people's end where they're like, Oh, I got it. I got you. So now I want to keep you a little bit. Yeah, I, they feel like I, they have to talk more. I don't know. Well, I, I sort of go with this. Hey, this zoom could have been a phone call. Right. Yeah. Um, mentality. And I've, 
I've purposely said to people, hey, I can't do a Zoom because uh, I got to run an errand, but I can do it on the phone. And so that way I will um, make yeah. it more like that. I mean, and, yeah. or, and or the other thing I'll do too, Tom, is if I join the Zoom, I'll join on my phone without video. Mm. And it forces that piece so that you can have a little bit more control, right? And, um, and, and, you know, to those listening, it's, you know, I don't, I don't believe that Scott, myself or Tom are like, we don't want to talk to you. Like, that's not the point. The point is, you know, not every conversation needs to be 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. And, um, and people know that. And I think, I think people are kind of waiting for us to say it. I think people are kind of like, yes. Yeah. So, so that's what you're, the that's love what, of God. So that's that. what you do. So you just pre-frame it at the beginning. Like, Hey Tom, I only have a minute here, dude. Thanks for, thanks for, uh, hopping yeah. on. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to ask this one thing. And then I got a jam. It's yeah. 152. I got eight minutes, right? I'm always framing like, yo, I just got a minute here. I got five minutes for you, Tom. Like, get, get to the point. We have a lot of time to shoot the shit later on. But I, do, I do a lot of, I do a lot of that. Like, you got this amount of time. Let's get it. And then I'm out. Oh, so, yeah. Can't be done. Yep. Can't be done. Yep. So, all right. Go ahead, Richard. Right. Get it, roll us out of here. Yeah, so I think we got to end it. Um, we want to give our, our big thanks to all of our sponsors of Outreach, Vidyard, Reggie, Reprise. I think I got them all. Got them all right. And I said Reprise correctly, not Reprise. Um, so Scott doesn't have to be my Grammarly at the moment. We want to thank all of them for their support. Uh, check out surfandsales.com uh, to sign up for our next event because they're being sold out. And if you are looking for a gig, you need to reach out to Tom Bacard. I'm not even going to spell it B-O-C-C-A-R-D. B as in boy, O-C-C-A-R-D. Uh, hit him up on LinkedIn. It's probably the fastest way to get his attention. Uh, and he's hired. So, Tom, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. We'll see you.